I want to talk to you today about hearing the voice of God. We talk to you about hearing the voice of God. You know, we're in this Resurrection Stories uh, series, and, and we're talking about how we live in resurrection life and how that produces freedom in us. And what Jesus does in us as we, as, as, as we begin to experience our own story. And uh, so we've been talking about the principles of how this works and, and, and what it looks like. And, and so for several weeks, we've been doing this. And then I want to just highlight, I just want to forecast you know, the resurrection retreat, it's in two weeks, and I want to challenge you, it's, it's, it's not just for people who haven't figured it out, it's for people who have figured it out, but need a refreshing and a reminder and a renewal that they haven't had in a long time. It is, it is there's nothing like getting together with a bunch of believers and talking about the very pivotal aspects of what we believe, who God says we are, and working through the process of, of maybe some of the old baggage or, or forgiveness, things that you thought were long gone, but suddenly you realize, oh man, I, I've gotten off the path, I, I've, I've been distracted, and you love Jesus, but you need to be renewed and refreshed and recharged. That's what that, week, that weekend is for you. There's a whole bunch of people already signed up, but you go to onechapel.com, and uh, I, I challenge you, it will be good for you. It will, it will do something to change your perspective and to open up, open up your ears to hear what Jesus is saying to you, all right? So get your Bibles out this morning and turn to John chapter 4. John 4, uh, I woke up this morning with the thunder and because uh, and my children were awake and my dog was awake and, uh, and then I, I couldn't stop my brain, right, because I'm thinking about sharing the message here and, and so I started praying and praying and I, I just feel like the Holy Spirit wants to speak to you, wants to speak to us individually today and remind us of how we hear His voice. And hearing his voice is a bit of a mystery for many people, right? And, and I mean, <laughs> nobody likes to be told you're hearing voices. <laughs> but, but God's voice is something powerful, something so strong, something that is so required for living in resurrection life. It's required for freedom, for you to live in freedom. And so hearing is a very important quality to the life of a Christian. Cultivating a listening ear is very important to the life of a believer, the life of a person who follows Jesus. And, um, and maybe you've been, maybe you've, you don't even know Jesus yet, but I, I promise you, the story we're going to read today in John 4, Jesus was speaking, and I want you to get this, Jesus was speaking, but it was a while before she actually heard him. And as we read this story, I want you to locate the moment where she actually began to hear what he was saying. My wife and I have this experience often. She'll say, you know, I know you heard me, or I know you're listening, but you didn't hear me. And we do have this funny thing, like I'm kind of losing my hearing as I get older, like I can just tell all my family, like, because I say, what'd you say? I mean, I, tell you, I say it's because they're mumbling, but, but they say it's because I can't, I can't hear. And so I'm kind of losing my hearing maybe a little bit, and, and my, my wife talks to herself. She does. She's was, was a beautiful woman standing here with the hat earlier. That's, that's Amy. And, she, and she, she talks to herself. So she'll be fixing her hair, and I'll be in the other room. She'll be talking. I'll be like, what did you say? <laughs> Nothing. 
What did you say? I want to know what you said. Nothing. I was talking to myself. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, stop talking to yourself. Either say it loud enough for me to hear or stop talking. <laughs> How long have we been married now? 23 years. It's a beautiful partnership, babe. I think you're going to keep talking and I'm going to keep saying, what'd you say? But hearing is an important quality for the life of a Christian. And so as we, as we read this story, I want, you to, I want you to tune in to what's happening. Because I think this story is told in a lot of different contexts. And a lot of different ideas are in this passage. But, but I want you to see what happens when she hears him. Verse 4 in John 4. In fact, let's pray over the scripture. Father, let the scripture come alive to us. Let it illuminate our hearts and let it reveal who you are and what you're doing in us. Lead us now as we read it and receive it. In Jesus' name, amen. Verse 4 says he had to go through Samaria on the way. Eventually, he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. If you've heard this taught many times, I mean, there's, there's all kinds of interpretations of why Jesus went through um, this Samaritan village. Uh, if you look at the map, he really didn't have to, but the scripture says he had to. I think he had something that he was on his way to, and he, he, he had an intention that he was carrying in his heart. Now, I want you to notice that Jesus was tired. Jesus knows what it feels like to be tired. He can identify with the fact that you're tired today. He knows what that feels like. He knows how difficult that is, but Jesus had something that he says later in the chapter we're not gonna get to, but he ta tells the disciples how he has food that they don't know anything about when they're trying to bring him some food. And it's, it, it is, he says that my food is to do the will of my father. Jesus always had an ear to hear what his father was saying. And even when he was tired, he was ready, he was prepared, he was always listening. Which is what he calls us to do. Verse 7 says, soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. Please give me a drink. It was his, it was his opening statement. His opening statement uh, was met with some, some misunderstanding. He was breaking through a barrier, and often when we're trying to break through a barrier, you're going to have to say something a little bit off the beaten path. You're going, to have to, you're going to have to break something down in order to get into the life of the other person. Jesus does just this. Look what it says in verse 8. He was alone at the time because he, his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food, and the woman was surprised for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. You understand the Jewish people saw themselves as pure because the Samaritan people were uh, half-breeds, they, they intermarried and, and in captivity for many, many years and developed a whole line and race of people, and, and they didn't have the entire Torah with them, and so they developed a, an incomplete way of worshiping, and we'll see that later in what she says to Jesus, and, and so the Jewish people really disdained them. The Samaritans, of course, didn't like the Jewish people because of the way they were treated, and so Jesus is breaking through a a cultural barrier by speaking to a woman 
and a religious barrier by speaking to a Samaritan. It would have been inappropriate for him to speak to her, the culture being what it was, the religious environment being what it was. She said to Jesus, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? (laughs) This is totally inappropriate. (laughs) Hello. In the earlier service, there was all kinds of water uh, flood, flood alerts. Everybody's phone kept going off. And it was really funny uh, to, to have all those alerts. And I actually said in that service, it would be so awesome if God would just speak to us like that flood alert thing. Like, right? Like, like it would just go off on our phones and it wouldn't just be one person. Everybody would hear it and be like, oh, that's what God is saying. That would be so much easier. But God's interested in a relationship. He's interested in speaking to us, and we're, we're going to talk about that here as we, as, we, as we watch this conversation unfold. She is appalled that he's talking to her. Jesus replied in verse 10, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me, and I would give you living water. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said. And this well is very deep. She's giving him all the information that he needs to understand that what he's saying is ridiculous. Do you ever feel like you pray sometimes and try to give God all the information that he needs because what he's saying seems to be ridiculous? That would be listening but not hearing what he has to say. She tells him, this, is, this well is deep and you don't have a rope, you don't have a bucket, and so why are you asking me? Get your own bucket. Verse 12, and besides, do you think you're greater? She, uh, she kind of digs at him. You think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again, but Those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Verse 15, please, sir, the woman said, give me this water. Then I'll never be thirsty again, and I don't have to come here to get water. She was there in the middle of the day, which was not customary. Would have been other times of the day that weren't as hot. That women would have come to the, well, she was there for a reason. She was there to escape some kind of her own feelings of inadequacy or trying to to stay away from the crowd that would have looked at her maybe with a certain disdain. And we're going to see that here in a moment, but still she doesn't hear what Jesus is saying. She's She's trying to escape her circumstances. That's what she wants. She's trying to escape her circumstances. And so often, we're trying to escape our circumstances by trying to get God to speak to us. God wants to speak to you, but very often, he doesn't just want to translate some information to you or direction to you. He wants to tell you who you are. He wants to speak who who you are into your own soul and heart and life, not just transfer the information that you think you need. 
She's, she's saying, where can I get this water? And verse 16, he's just, he goes right to the very point of her need. Right to the very issue of her history. And he does it in such a nice, sweet manner. He doesn't accuse her of anything. He just says, well, why don't you go get your husband and then come back and I'll, I'll share it with you. I don't have a husband, the woman replied. And Jesus said, you're, you're right. You don't have a husband for you have had five husbands and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You, you've spoken the truth. Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. Brilliant. Ding, 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 ding. You're a prophet. Now, notice what she does. So tell me, why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship? Well, we Samaritans claim it is here, Mount Gerizim, where our ancestors worshiped. This is what people always do when God's trying to speak to them. They gum it all up with weird theology. They argue... Uh, Oh, in our city, there's a bunch of people. When you try to talk to them about Jesus, they will want to argue the finer points of the theology that doesn't make sense to them right. about what you believe and who you fight with. Now, that's the picture we've kind of given them, but notice that's always evidently been the picture for a long time. So Jesus has a way of speaking through and cutting through all that stuff, and we must learn that way too, because truthfully, Jesus wants to speak his voice through our voice. Amen. That's right. But don't, don't start arguing about theology when Jesus is trying to speak to you. Verse 21, Jesus replied, believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. I want you to notice that, what he's saying to her. Hey, that's really not important. What's coming? People are going to worship everywhere. People are going to be sitting down at radio, coffee and beer, and they're going to be worshiping Jesus because they're listening to an iPod and reading their Bible, drinking their coffee. He says, it's not going to matter. That stuff, you're, you're thinking about the wrong things. Verse 22, you Samaritans know very little about the one you worship, while we Jews know all about him. For salvation comes through the Jews. And he's talking about their history and the separation and the, the way that they developed to worship God. Verse 23, but the time is coming. Indeed, it's here now when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. This is a profound phrase notice what jesus says the father is looking for those who will worship him that way the niv says he is looking for this kind of worshiper which says which says there are different kinds of worshipers which says there are a lot of different ways that people try to worship but this, but god is looking for the kind of worshipers that will worship in spirit they will have an acknowledgement of the, the Holy Spirit and his work in the earth and in truth in a practical, outworking way where they live it out. He's saying, these are the kind of worshipers that my Father is seeking. And the Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. Verse 24, for God is spirit, so those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who is called the Christ, and when he comes, he will explain everything to us. She's just started listening. 
She's just started hearing. She's just started to think, oh my goodness, what I've wondered is if it's true may actually be coming true right in front of me. Like Bob and Karen. Jesus was speaking to them, but, but they didn't know exactly what it was. And it wasn't until a moment in time, um, uh, I guarantee you there was loads of prayer by her daughter, their daughter Amy over their lives. There'd been a long history. Don't give up, people. God is speaking. There's a moment when they can hear. When they can hear. It's true for you, too. You le- we learn how to hear God's voice in an incremental way. We learn and we develop a listening ear like I do with my wife, a greater listening ear. We learn how to listen. We learn how to really hear. We learn how to listen past the words. This is what God is saying to us in this passage about how to listen to him. And then Jesus, of course, he says, he says verse 26, I am the one who is speaking to you. That's the phrase that he uses, and he uses a little word play, I am, which he does a lot. I am the one who is speaking to you. And it is an incredible moment where she is overwhelmed by the truth that comes to her when he begins to speak to her and he cuts through all that theological jargon and begins to speak to the very need in her life, the struggle, the history, all of the things that have happened to her that have led her to this moment. She senses the love and the grace and the mercy that he's about to bring into her life and she goes to the village and she starts telling people, come see the man who told me everything that I ever did. I want to hear God this way. How about you? I want, I, want, I want to develop a way that I can hear God speak to me in a greater manner. And, and I, want to, I, I, want to, I want to unpack a little bit. We're going to do half the sheet this week, and then we're going to do half the sheet next week. Okay? So I want you to go with me here. Here's what Romans 10, 17 says. It says, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So many people think that faith is something they muster up on themselves and they try really hard to hope. This woman had tried really hard to hope a lot and it led her nowhere. She had tried really hard. That question about theology may have actually been meaningful to her because she tried. But five husbands later, She feels hopeless. Jesus knew that. Faith comes by hearing something, is what the scripture says. Faith comes from something being placed in you. Faith comes from hearing the word of God. And it begins to cultivate a listening heart. Faith comes by hearing God speak to us, not by trying really hard. Faith is a pretty important aspect of our life together with him, with God. It's a pretty important aspect. This verse seems to suggest that you can't really accumulate it until you hear him. And you, so many of you remember that moment where you came to Christ for the first time, whether it was as a child or later in life, and you came to him, it was like, <gasps> you heard him for the first time. It was just the first time. He wants to keep speaking to you and me. 
He wants to keep cultivating that. Now, this is what happens to this woman. She, she realizes that God is speaking to her and she, she becomes the mouthpiece and starts telling everybody to come hear this guy. But listen, God's not just limited to speaking through Jesus himself. All through the Bible, he speaks in tons of different ways. I've listed some of them for you. Check this out. He wrote on a wall in Daniel 6 to communicate something pretty, pretty important, pretty profound. He, he spoke through a donkey to Balaam in Numbers 22 leading to one of my favorite phrases, if God can speak through a donkey, he can speak through me. (laughs) Dreams and visions. This happens. It happened in the scriptures. It happens happens in this modern day. There is a, a, a report that comes out of the Middle East of... Of, of people who are of Islamic or Muslim descent, and they, 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 they see Jesus. Jesus appears to them in dreams. It's a, it's a report that happens over and over and over and over again. It's an incredible thing. A burning bush, it happens... Moses sees a burning bush and God speaks to him in Exodus 3. Angels speak to the shepherds and to Mary and Joseph in Luke 1 and 2. A gentle whisper is how God speaks to Elijah. After the fire and the earthquake and, and the wind and all this other noise and all this other stuff, it was a gentle whisper. When Amy and I were about to come to Austin, we were, we were really struggling. We wrestled with the decision because, I, I mean, I, I, had a, I had a good job. I had a good family of believers. I, I was loved and I loved them. And, and, and I, but I, I just had a thing stirring inside of my soul, but I was afraid to take the risk because I I was just trying to figure out how to hear God's voice to really be sure because there was a lot to risk. My kids were older. Uh, My oldest two were 15 and 13. I didn't want to move them at that particular moment in their development. And, And interestingly enough, what I find is true a lot of the times is, is with a married couple, the wife always hears it first. Now my wife is amening. So she, Amy knew, Amy just had it. She had a sense of, she just, she just knew. And she, was, she would just be like, well, you know, I just need to hear myself. I'm just, I'm just not sure. She's like, well, Jesus will speak to you. We included our kids in the prayer life that we were asking this question and, and trying to figure it out and and. Both of my kids had profound spiritual experience where, where God spoke to them in a moment, in a worship service or through another person. My oldest son had a couple, couple of people who, would, who came up to him after a service. Nobody knew we were talking about this or praying about this, and, 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 and <laughs> this wasn't a normal thing for a 15-year-old to get people coming up to him and saying, I have a word from the Lord for you. <laughs> that just didn't happen. And, and so he, they, they, said, they said, you know, you're praying about something. I don't know what it is. Something's coming, and the God just wants you to know it's going to be okay for you. In fact, it's going to be good for you. God spoke to my family in ways that I couldn't conjure up, including our house being in an incredibly down market and needing to sell it, and 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 God, um, through a series of circumstances, were so crazy that spoke to us, sold our house for a full cash offer. The day we decided, I remember it was like, okay, we're going to go. 
right? Like I was, I was deciding it and then trying it on, see how it felt, but not telling people. So I was like, we're going to go. The next day, that, 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 that week, we were kind of, okay, we're going to do this. We're going to live in the land of yes. And, 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 and the, <laughs> the, the next day, I opened the front door, and there on the stoop and the, 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 the what's it called? The porch. I couldn't come up with it. There on the front porch was a newspaper, local newspaper, and it said, headed to Austin. <laughs> it was so weird. And I remember, I remember just feeling God winking at me. <laughs> I, know, I know what I'm doing here, son. You can trust my voice. I wanted to go, but I was scared. And, and it's, it's such an amazing thing how God is interested in speaking to us. And, and indeed, I, I do believe that he wants to cultivate a conversation in our lives. And so I want you to look at five ways that we hear. Five ways that we hear, and this is, this is what we're going to do this morning. Five ways that we hear. Number one, we hear through the scripture. We read the scripture, we read it every day, and we do that for a reason. We don't do it out of ritual. We do it as a routine because we get familiar enough with it, with the stories, with the narrative, with the big picture, how does God interact with people, and we begin to understand that God is interacting with us in a similar manner. And it's not until you read the scripture that you can get those ideas in you. It's not the reading of the Bible that makes God happy. It's the getting of the ideas into your soul. Second Peter 1, 3 says, his divine nature has given us everything we need for life and godliness. And, and, and so he's trying to place something in us. First Timothy 3, 16, 3, 16 says, all scripture is God-breathed. You know what happens? God breathes again when you're reading it. You ever read a scripture and suddenly it comes alive? It was breathed the first time by the Spirit and it's breathed again when you read it and God speaks to you. I've read that passage a hundred times. Suddenly it means something different to me now. That's the Holy Spirit working and speaking to you. Number two is the Holy Spirit himself. And I believe this is what God wants to cultivate in the lives of all believers, all people who follow Christ. He wants to cultivate a relationship with the Holy Spirit who is the third person of the Trinity and God's presence here on the earth. The scripture says Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. He's praying for you and me. He, he, he can appear anywhere he wants, but that's kind of his place, that's his station, but the Holy Spirit is the presence of God in the earth, and he actually has come to dwell in us, and he speaks to us. We become the temple of the Holy Spirit. Our lives begin to house him, and I think we, he, the, Jesus said himself in John, as, as John wrote it, he said, he said, the Holy Spirit is going to lead you and guide you into all truth. He said, he said I'm going to go away. Jesus said this. And he said, the Holy Spirit's going to come and remind you of everything that I said. The Holy Spirit is the one who reminds you. Number three is our spouse. Whoa, 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 wait a minute. I want you to go with me here for a moment. If marriage is spiritual, if it is defined by a spiritual oneness, according to the scripture, between a man and a woman, there is a 
opportunity, there's an important inter intersection and integration between that married couple of God's spirit speaking. Because, because truthfully, getting married and, have, and getting married to a person that is different than you has foundational differences, right, is part of God's plan to work character into our lives and to show us how to lay down our lives. Because truthfully, my responsibility as a husband to my wife, Amy, is to, is to invest in the relationship in such a way that I unlock the great potential that is in her, the potential that only God knows. I'm an agent. I'm one of the most important agents of unlocking that potential in her life and investing in that relationship that way. See, we, we see marriage so incorrectly. We see it as something that we, we get and that they give to us. See, God wants us, God wants to put two servants together who will serve each other and unlock the potential that God has for each of them. And that means, that means from time to time, you've got to listen to them. Notice I said from time to time. Sometimes, and listen, sometimes you're not going to like the way it is said. But just because you don't like the way it is said doesn't disqualify the message. You might have to hear what the, what the Holy Spirit is saying. You might have to hear what God is saying, even in the midst of that relationship, even in the midst of it coming through in a way that you don't particularly enjoy. God is working on that person. All right, number four, our friends. Our friends. Proverbs says, in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. In the multitude of counselors, there is safety. God speaks to a community of people. And when we are with trusted friends who know us well, God wants to use them to speak into our lives, and he wants to use us to speak into their lives. That is the way he designed it. Christianity is practiced not as an isolated individual spirituality, but as a community of Christ, a community of Christ. So while you house the Holy Spirit within your own life and you become the temple, part of the reason for that is God wants you to speak into the life of other, lives of other people. And so our friends are very important, a very important way that God begins to speak into us and we allow them to speak into us, to see things. I don't know, you know, you know your best friend better than anybody else, right? You can see all the flaws, right? They need to listen to you and you need you to listen to them. Number five is delegated authorities. Delegated authority. Now there's four delegated authorities that are primary in our culture and the first one is your family. In our culture, families are so broken, so dysfunctional, and so divorced that submitting to delegated authority in your family has become incredibly difficult. But it's how, it's how he designed it. And, and, and the second authority is church. Church in our culture, in many people's minds, has become so broken that they don't want to submit to anyone, any spiritual authority. And that, my friends, is incorrect. You need, to have, you need to have confidence that I'm submitted to spiritual authority, which I am, to, to pastors who speak into my life, and that you, and that you are willing to, to surrender to the spiritual authority of the community itself, and, and, and that is the church. And so that's a big deal. The third spiritual authority, you can just write these in your margin, family, church, work. Oh, you're kidding. My boss is a delegated authority. I have to listen to my boss? I have to submit and surrender? What? 
Yes, you do. The Bible teaches a lot about it, especially the New Testament, about how to treat them so that they will be able to hear themselves from the voice of God speaking into their lives. And the Bible actually teaches us that we're not just working for a boss, we're working for the Lord. Ouch! He's trying to teach us what it looks like to listen to the voice of God. And sometimes that comes through an unlikely source. Then finally, uh, the the fourth uh, delegated authority is the government. Romans 13, Paul says to submit to the governing authorities. He wrote it during a time when it was very difficult to submit to governing authorities because there was much persecution and much tyranny. And he's saying, and he's saying there's something that you've got to submit to. Now, it's, it's, it's important for us to submit to the government as long as they do not violate the scripture. Once they violate the scripture, well, then there's something we have to be held responsible for. Now, look, if you go backwards and you take the bottom level, delegated authority is the base level, the bottom level of hearing God's voice, just doing what you're told. When you raise kids, you just tell them to do what they're told, right? Or you tell them to do what they're told. You tell them to do things and they do it because they're being told what to do, and that's your responsibility as a parent. And, but your goal is not for them always to have to just be told what to do. My oldest sons are now moving into the season of life where they are, they are I am turning into a counselor to them, not a direct authority. And I hope that because I've raised them well and because we've talked about these things, that they will, they will invite me into their lives. And I'll be able to speak into their lives, but it will be as a, as a consultant and not as a direct authority as they begin to build their own family. The goal that God has for you is not just to do what you're told by delegated authorities. <laughs> the goal is that you will hear for yourself. Second level might be your friends, right? Your friends, but if you listen to your friends all the time, your friends might not always be right, and you're going to have to have conviction, and the type of friends you have really means something, and so you just can't listen to your friends all the time. You have to listen to something more. You have to you have to measure it against the standard of the scripture. Then your spouse, this is another level of speaking into our lives and the, and, the, and the Holy Spirit or God's voice speaking into us. But you can't just listen to your spouse and do what they tell you to do. That's a third level and it's important, but then there's a fourth level and that's the Holy Spirit speaking to you. I think we have to be careful about that sometimes. You know, um, the Holy Spirit has to be measured by something. People, people blame all kinds of weird things that God said, right? And we have to be very careful of that. And that leads us to, the, to this, this final standard. And it is the scriptures. The scriptures are the standard for all hearing from God. Scriptures are the standard for all hearing from God. So that's your fill in the blank right there. And when you, when, you, when you use the scriptures as a standard, it doesn't disqualify the rest of the voices because what I think is God wants us to listen. He wants us, a healthy life has all these voices speaking into them and is, is able to measure and submit and, and yield and listen and be coached and be connected to God because all these things are functioning well in their lives. And what you find is people can't listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit because the other parts are broken. 
Their marriage is busted. Their, their relationship with their kids are all busted up. Their relationship with their parents. Are, every, the devil's plan is to bust up all those voices so that they can never actually hear God. But God is still speaking and he's trying to speak into our lives and he's trying to heal and he's trying to restore and he's trying to put people together, put pieces together to make sure that we can all hear his voice. Next week, we'll talk about the unfolding of that voice. But I want you to just, right now, I want you to close your eyes. I want you to, I want you to bow your heads, and I want you to ask yourself the question. I want you to listen to the voice of God, the Holy Spirit. And I want you to, I want you to ask if you've been, if you've been listening. Maybe you've been listening, but you haven't been hearing. Maybe you've gotten so distracted by everything in life. Maybe you've been so frustrated with the way things are going. You've, you've actually not been willing to listen. Could I encourage you today that God is speaking to you? If you were to just listen for a moment, what would he say to you? What would he say? He'd say, I love you. He'd say, peace. He would say, I'm for you, not against you. He would say, I'm with you. He would say that he wants to erase the past and give you a new start. He would say that he wants you to hear his voice. He would say that he has grace for you. He would say, that he loves you. We're going to come to the Lord's table and I want, I want you to listen very carefully as he speaks to you. I want you to open up your heart and open up your soul. And I want you to view this, the Lord's table as a, a place where Jesus spoke to his disciples and he spoke something really powerful to them. He said, on this night, where he shared his life with them. He said, I want you to take this bread. He took it, the bread and he blessed it. And then he said, this is my body which is broken for you. As long as you do this, I want you to remember me. Every time you do this, remember me. And then he took the cup and he, and he give, gave thanks for it. And he said, this is the new covenant in my blood. This is what makes you new. This is the new covenant that I'm bringing into into the world and I want you to receive it and every time you do, remember me. And so Lord, we pray in the name of Jesus that you would help us to hear your voice. You would push the other things out of the way. Like this woman at the well, Lord, we may have hurts and wounds and issues from our past, but Lord, you have the ability to cut through all that and just speak right into our lives, right where we're at write what we're dealing with. And so, Lord, do that now in these moments we have together. In Jesus' name, amen.